Father, as we do uh, open up your word tonight, I do pray that you would, God, that you would speak to us. I think of, of Peter just wrapping up this letter and how in these last couple verses, how his heart just really comes through, which ultimately is your heart. And God, how you so desire for every single one of us to grow and, and have an understanding and that we would become more mature in our faith year by year. And Lord, that in our lives that we could represent you to this generation, to this culture, that, that we would be the light in the darkness. And so I do pray that once again, you'd give us ears to hear, hearts that are ready, and Lord, that you would just have your way in each one of us. Bless this time and be glorified in it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as John, I was going to say, as, as Peter's wrapping up this letter, as he's finishing this letter, and you hear his heart. Remember, he's been talking about the dangers of false teachers and how they've infiltrated the churches. And basically, I think he's writing to Asia Minor uh, at this time, which would be kind of the Turkey area. And as he's sharing and, and pouring out to them and knowing that they're getting duped, and then he's been spending some time telling us that Jesus is coming back. And that's kind of what we've been looking at for the last couple weeks, that he's going to return. And when, he, when he's done, he's gonna give us a new heaven and a new earth. How good is that? And that's what we have to look forward to. So in light of that, Peter's going to challenge us. If we really are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, shouldn't that affect how we live now and what we do now? So that's the kind of the direction he's going he's to go. And here's the thing. The greatest need for Christians in his day and Christians today is this thing called steadfastness and endurance. I think culturally, that's a tough thing. Culturally, we're kind of giver-uppers. Is that a word? We kind of just, we kind of quit, right? We're quitters. We go so far and do that. We need that endurance. We need to be people. I'm, I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to go all the way. And I'm going to stick it out with the Lord. And I, listen, I know, I know God's got a hold of us, but shouldn't we also have a hold of him? And be working with him. So Peter, again, challenging them. And he says here in verse 14, therefore, so he's drawn a conclusion, right, from just the idea that according to his promise that, he, uh, that we need to look for a new heaven and a new earth and uh, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, he says, beloved, looking forward to these things. What things? The new heaven and the new earth. So I love the idea that Peter's still into that mode of beloved, right? I mean, Peter loves the guys he's writing to. And, and listen, man, he's wanting them to, to go the distance, do the right thing. So he says, looking forward to these things, let's be diligent. Now, let's just stop there for a minute because, again, diligence is something I think we're like, we're like fading away from a lot of this stuff. Today I was reading some, some emails about uh, uh, there was a, a pastor worried about, is he contemporary enough? Is he staying young enough? And that kind of like spoke to me too because, you know, I'm 36 now and it's like hard to relate to the 20-somethings. But listen, as, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, 
How do we stay relevant? Culturally, listen, culturally there's some things I understand we need to do, but God's word is always relevant. Amen. Doesn't matter what generation, doesn't matter who you're speaking to, as long as we're giving people God's word, we will be relevant. And we need to be diligent in that. It's so easy to get caught up in how can I reach, what is the latest fad? What is the latest thing I can do? How can I do that? And, and you see churches, you see even big church movements come and go out of working that way. And here's what, here's what he's saying. You and I, we need to be diligent. We need to be diligent about who we are in Christ. Well, here's, here's what he says. He says we need to have that diligence and we need to be found by him. So be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Oh. He's letting me know I need to be diligent about holiness in my life. I need to think about it. I need to be somebody that I'm working at that. Here's what I found Maturity, growing in the Lord, holiness, it doesn't just happen to you. You gotta put energy into it. You gotta put effort into it. And Peter's warning this group because they've been so infiltrated by false teachers that they need to get a hold of this and they need to, quote, you know, just really knuckle down and focus on that. Now, I know some people go, well, wait a minute, wait, whoa, 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 I'm saved by grace and I don't have to do anything. Well, yes and no. You can't earn your way to heaven. But if you're really looking forward to heaven, aren't you gonna live a little bit different? I think that. Maybe I'm a little bit naive, but here's what I think. If I'm really looking forward to heaven, I am looking forward to a place where there's no more sin, where righteousness dwells, and therefore, if I'm looking forward to that, shouldn't I want that now in my life? And shouldn't I be that person? I, oftentimes when people like pull the other card on me and say it doesn't really matter, I tell them, look, if you're not enjoying heaven now, in other words, the presence of God now, what on earth makes you think when you die you're gonna change? Right? So, so listen, he's saying this. We need to be diligent. We need to be people. And I like this one part. We need to be diligent to be found by him in peace. Now, I don't think he means that we need to have that, you know, that, that uh, peace as far as, oh, I feel so mellow. I think he's talking about that peace with God. And we need to be, I love this idea, found by him. Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is going to, guess what? When he comes back, he's gonna find every single one of us. You're not gonna be able to hide. You can go into bushes, you can go into corners, you can do whatever. He's gonna find you. And when you're found by him, don't you wanna have that, yes. I was just looking for you, Lord. And now you found me, right? You were on my heart. And so you have that peace but even greater than that, he says, he says we have that peace without spot and blameless. Now, I think he's talking about a couple different things. Without spot, I think he's saying how we walk our lives. And, and I think our goal, our objective should be to be pure people and to be holy people. Does that mean we're going to do that perfectly? Well, I would love to tell you yes. But we're going to trip and fall and how am I found without spot? 
by making sure I confess my sins because he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me, right? So I'm without spot. And when he's talking about blameless, I think he's talking about our, our conscience. Are we, are we walking in such a way that we have a clear conscience, a good conscience? So he says that, and then he says this. So as we think about that, then he says this, verse 15, and consider that the long-suffering of our, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Now, what's been the big discussion? Why is Jesus taking so long? Why is he taking so long to come back? Is it because he's inadequate? Is it because he doesn't care? I mean, you know, we come up with a lot of things, right? How come he's not here? Do you hear what Peter just told us? Why is he not here? Because of salvation. It's God's heart that people, that people get saved. I'm really glad he waited for me to get saved. I'm glad he didn't come like the day before I got saved. Sorry. So his delaying, his not coming is because, listen, is because of salvation. I love that idea. So in light of that, we should be careful how we live, right? If God is concerned about salvation and we have received salvation, shouldn't we be concerned about how we live? And shouldn't we be careful about how we live? And that's Peter's whole point. In Philippians, Paul says it this way. He says, therefore, my dear friends, have you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I don't know about you guys, but I strive to please God but I am so glad that it's God who works in me because here's what I know. Inside, man, there's some junk going on that's not good. And my God works in me. So listen, as he's working in me, here's what I know. He hasn't come back yet because there's still people who need to get saved. I believe that. I believe that, you know, there's a number that God has and there's people that need to get saved. So therefore... Don't I need to be somebody sharing the gospel? And as I said, we don't have to be obnoxious. We don't have to be weird. We don't have to be gross. We can just tell people about Jesus and they can either accept him or not. And we need to be faithful. Most of us don't do that because here's what we're afraid of. They're gonna reject. If they reject the gospel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. And so don't take it personal. I remember one time we were sharing, and I was in New York City, and we were sharing, and, and we're kind of building a relationship with this guy over baseball, talking about the Yankees. In New York, you have to do that. Got to act like you're a Yankee. Got to act like you're a Yankee fan, even if you're not. And we're sharing with this guy, and then, and then we start sharing the gospel, and he got really mad. You mean you guys were talking to me about baseball just because you wanted to share the gospel? Uh-huh. And he got really mad and started having a fit. And the whole time I'm thinking, why are you so mad at me? Get mad at God, right? All I'm doing is trying to tell you how to be saved and how to find Jesus. So we need to be those kind of people. Listen, and so he's waiting for salvation. Now, as, listen, I think as that came out of Peter's 
mouth or on, on the paper as he's writing it. Here's what I think. Then he thought about this, and, and listen to what he says. He says, verse 15 again, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to, his, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Oh, these guys don't bring up each other much. Have you noticed that when Paul's writing, he doesn't bring up a lot of people, maybe a little bit in the beginning or people he's talking about, but not in the, not, you know, in the main text of their letters. They don't talk about each other much. And I think it's because they're busy talking about the Lord. But Peter here at the end, first of all, he says, what? Our beloved, our, ours, right? Because the people he's writing to. And he calls them our beloved brother Paul. Have you read the book of Galatians? In Galatians chapter two, Paul rebukes Peter. Hey, Pete, what are you doing? You won't eat with the Gentiles. What's the matter with you, hypocrite? That's pretty intense, huh? Now here, years later, Peter doesn't say, and that jerk Paul who rebuked me, what does he say? Our beloved brother, Paul. So you can tell, listen, you can tell, and here's what I believe. I believe a godly person can take a rebuke, especially when they're wrong. They can take a rebuke. They can take that and let that change how they act and what they do. So here, listen, I love this. Peter says, our beloved brother, Paul, and he says, listen, he says, as, as, uh, as our beloved brother Paul uh, writes to you, or, or according to the wisdom, or, or, yeah, our beloved, <laughs> I'm sorry, also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As Paul wrote letters, as he's doing this, he's writing and thinking about Asia Minor. Paul wrote letters to the Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Colossians, all in that area is I think what he's talking about. Paul wrote those letters, but here's the thing. He says, according to the wisdom that he gained, listen carefully, according to the wisdom given to him. When you think of Paul's writings, you think, you know, like Paul is kind of the the epistle writer extraordinaire, right? Wrote most of the New Testament, most of the letters we have. And you kinda, I, I always get this idea of this intense brainiac guy, you know, sitting in a corner and who's studied and poured into, and I know, I know that he studied under great rabbis and stuff, but that's not where he got his wisdom. He didn't get his wisdom from all of the knowledge that he had, which he did have. He got his wisdom was given to him by God. The things that he wrote, notice the direction Peter's going because I think this is important. As Peter brings up Paul, now he's taking us in a direction that, that Paul didn't have, you know, wisdom from learned stuff. Paul's wisdom was given to him by God. And God gave him the wisdom and the letters he wrote, the things he wrote in those letters were given to, to Paul by God 
And Paul began to write. So Paul wrote all of these people. So Peter and Paul obviously have restored their relationship. Things are better with them, right? Our beloved brother, uh, Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, he has written you these things. And then he says this. He says, as also in verse 16, as also in all of his epistles, speaking of these things. So Paul wrote, and again, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I don't think he means everything that Paul wrote because I'm not sure Peter had everything that Paul wrote in front of him. He's speaking to that specific group of people and everything that Paul wrote was from the Lord and given to them. And Paul wrote encouraging them the same way Peter's encouraging them. What's it all about? Follow the Lord, reject, listen, reject those false teachers. They're there, they're big time. So it's interesting that Paul brings, or the, Paul, that Peter brings in another teacher who's a good teacher, right? And this is what he's done. And he's written you in these letters and he's written in all of his epistles or all the epistles or all the letters. And then he says, and he goes on and says, listen, speaking in them of these things in which some things are hard to understand. I kind of like that. I like when I'm reading Peter and Peter's going, I don't get everything Paul writes. I'm thinking, I'm in good company. Because I don't get everything Peter or, Peter or Paul writes. And especially when I'm reading it in the flesh. I'm sure none of you ever read your Bibles in the flesh, ever. Listen, we have to have the spirit to understand, right? That's where we get understanding of things. It always cracks me up when people in the world try and discuss biblical things that they have no knowledge of. And they're like doing it, and it's like, come on, number one, you have to have the spirit to talk to me about these things because you're looking at them from a worldly perspective. But here's what he's saying. Some of Paul's writings are hard to understand. And, you know, every time I read that in, in Second Peter, I always say, amen. I think I even have it written in my margin. <laughs> amen. Because sometimes it is hard, Right? And listen, it's not the words, it's what's behind the words. And theologically, sometimes you're trying to put it together and it's difficult. You gotta put some effort into it. When you read your Bible, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it doesn't just come by osmosis and okay, I got it. I have to stop, I have to think, I have to push through. I wanna understand what's going on. So he says, listen, that some of these things are hard to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own, own destruction. So untaught and unstable. I've noticed that Peter doesn't really mince words when he's talking about false teachers, right? Today we might put, well, I'm not gonna tell you how we'd put it today. You can imagine. But there are people, listen, man, there are people, they don't, in other words, they don't know what they're talking about. But here's the bad thing. They're taking what Paul wrote, even in the first century, get a hold of this, and they're twisting it to say what they want it to say. And they're unstable and untaught. Now here's the thing that bothers me. I believe there's way too many people that interpret their Bible on feelings. Well, here's what I feel. And please take this the right way. I really don't care what you feel. I want to know what it says. Because we all have emotion. We all have those things. And 
that's part of the problem. I remember when we first got saved and, and we were part of a home group and uh, I said that kind of sarcastically. I believe home groups are good, but the one I was in, not so much. We were studying the Bible together. And here's what we would do. We would show up on Friday night, get together, and then we would say, here's what I think it means. Well, here's what I think it means. Well, here's what I think it means. Nobody has put any time into studying it. Nobody has put effort into it. It's just, let's just get together and discuss what it means. Now, I thought that was being real spiritual. I thought we were, I thought we were like the spiritual giants of the world. And I thought we probably, you know, like Billy Graham and others should just move over because the new kids are on the block. And then I remember I went to visit a lady who had prayed for me for a long time to get saved. She used to buy pottery from us and she had prayed for me for a long time to get saved. And we went to visit her. She was, lived in California. And uh, so we sat down and we're talking with her and uh, I was telling her about this great home group, and here's what she said. Oh, you mean you guys are sitting around sharing your ignorance? <laughs> Excuse me? Like, whoa, I can't believe you just said that. And then we talked some more, and you know, I didn't get mad and leave. <laughs> we talked some more and did some stuff. And then I found out how to study my Bible, and she was absolutely right. She was correct in her assessment of what's going on. I think way too many times we treat this like maybe other books or other things. This is God's word. And if we look at it as God's word, we need to be diligent of digging in and studying it. And it's not just, I feel this is what it says. We need to be people if we're going to teach it and discuss it, we need to be people, I know what this is. Now listen, I know not everybody's a teacher and I get that. We all have different giftedness, right? And I think it's important we recognize that. Like I recognize we have, we have worship people up here that are gifted and talented in that. You don't want me singing to you. You'll leave. And so I understand not everybody's a teacher and you know, my wife, she's a so, and, and I, she knows this, she's not a teacher. She's so not a teacher. And oftentimes she'll tell me, I hate watching anything with you that has to do with the Bible. Because you're, well, they did that wrong. Well, they said that wrong. And that's not right. And because I want to dig in, listen, truth is important. And I think it's important in every single culture, every single generation. And if we want to be relevant, you give people truth because truth is always relevant. May not always be popular, may not always be liked, but it's always relevant. And so here's what he's saying. And, and we need to think about this. If we're messing up the scripture, then we are untaught and unstable people. That doesn't, listen, that's not, that's not being mean or nasty. It's a reality. You're untaught and unstable, and you need to realize that. So why did God give some people the gift of teaching? So that we could all grow, right? And we're going to get into that in a moment. So I believe it's extremely important. And then there are people who purposely twist Scripture to say what they want it to say. 
so they can take you. And you know, we, obviously we have cults that we know about that do that, but even within Christianity, I hear sometimes, man, I hear some people say things and I'm going, what? That's not even close to what that says. And then we need to be people, well, we're gonna get into that. We need to be people who are studying the Bible. So then listen to what he says. So he says, which unstate, he's talking about Paul's teachings that are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of scriptures. Wow, did you hear what Peter just said? Did you hear what he said? He just said that Paul's epistles are what? Scripture. Because they take and they twist them as they do the rest of the scriptures. That's intense. Every time I read that, I get excited, right? I get, man, I think, man, all these people who say, well, how do I know Paul was writing and it's the word of God? Because Peter said so, that's why, right? Who's gonna argue with Peter? But listen, man, does that sort of blow your mind? Even, even in his own generation, Peter's recognizing Paul's writings as the word of God. That's powerful, now what's sad is those same guys that twist Paul's writing twist all scripture and they mess it up. So if you're not gonna be a diligent Bible student, don't try to teach God's word. You can share God's word, but don't try to teach it. Just be honest and real. Not all of us are called to do that. It's okay. So listen, man, he says they're twisting it and they're doing that. And then verse 17 you therefore, beloved, now he's back to us, right? So he's like, he started out telling us we need to be diligent, what? To be found by him in peace and blameless, uh, without spot and blameless. And then he said, hey, you're gonna do that by getting into the scripture and you need to understand that. And then now he's back to, hey, oh, I forgot I was talking to you guys. I kind of got sidetracked talking about Paul and his writings. But listen, he goes, hey, beloved, we're back to that. You beloved, since you know this beforehand. Here's what he's saying. You already know what I'm talking about. How do you know? Because you know when you're knower because you've been told, right? You've been told this. And you know things. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to act on what you know. I think all of us or most of us in this room, I shouldn't say all of us, most of us in this room have a pretty in-depth knowledge of the Bible. We got Bibles on our phones. We got Bibles everywhere. We're always reading the Bible. We know things and hopefully that's true. You're going through the Bible in a year. You're doing things you're finding, whatever. And we know a lot more Bible, listen carefully, than what we live. And he says, hey, beloved, right? He's talking to us. Listen, he's not just talking to that generation. Beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, since you know what? Since you know how you should act and you know that you have scripture, you know you have these things, he says this, he says, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. Be careful. It's kind of like when a doctor warns us, right? Like a doctor will tell us to quit eating bacon. I know, terrible, terrible. But they'll say, man, that's not good for you. You need to stop eating that. You knew that beforehand, even when you're eating five pounds of bacon at the next men's breakfast. 
Somebody put down, they're taking five pounds of bacon. I'm going. But listen, you know, so we know things. Listen, we're warned in health. We're warned in other areas. You know this beforehand. There are things we know beforehand spiritually. Then why do we do the other thing? Oh, some of us go, the devil made me do it. <laughs> you don't need a devil. You got you. Have you ever noticed wherever you go, there you are? And so, man, since we know these things beforehand, he says, listen, we need to beware lest we fall from our own steadfastness. We need to be careful that we're, we're people. We need to be a back to that diligent, be careful so we don't fall from our, he's not talking about losing our salvation. He's talking about losing that peace that we're gonna be when he finds us. I don't wanna be sinning when Jesus comes back. As a matter of fact, this is terrible. Sometimes when I'm sinning, I go, don't come back right now. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'll be done in just a minute. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I'm kind of talking to everybody right now. We're all going, wow, I do that. You do that too. <laughs> I want to be found in peace, right? So what do I have to do? I got to be diligent. And I gotta be somebody that I, I need to beware. Why? Because I already know beforehand. Here's what I know beforehand. Jesus could come back at any moment. At any moment. Paul wrote about it. Peter writes about it. All the New Testament people write about it. I don't care what your, your philosophy or your theology is on the return of Jesus. My Bible says he could come back at any moment. And therefore, I need to be diligent and I need to be careful. Why? Because I've been, I knew beforehand that he could come back at any minute. Then why would I do that thing, right? Why should I take a chance and realize I could fall from my steadfastness and be that person and then being led away with the air of wicked? So listen, of the wicked. So I need to not listen to just anybody. Willy-nilly, I'm going to listen and and. I think that is the greatest danger in our generation because there's teaching everywhere. I was gonna say Bible teaching, but that would be an exaggeration, right? There's YouTube, there's podcasts, there's everything out there, and it's insane. And sometimes, I have to be honest, some of you guys come to me and tell me what you're listening to, and I gasp inside. Like, seriously, you would listen to that? Why would you listen to that? I don't always say that. I so want to sometimes. So be careful. You know, when you're standing by me and you tell me something, get ready. <laughs> but man, really, why? Why? Well, because it sounds good. Well, just because something sounds good doesn't mean it is good, especially for you. Bacon sounds good right now. I'd love a bacon. Wouldn't, wouldn't a BLT be really good right now? Gaynell, when I go home. And that sounds so good, doesn't it? So just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's good for you. Beware lest we fall from our steadfastness and be led into error. Listen, he's not saying, he's not saying you're gonna lose your salvation. He's saying you're gonna lose your peace. 
And we need to beware. We need to be people who we understand that. And then, listen, now he gets into the, to, I, think, I think this whole letter was all about this next verse. This whole letter was all about, and he says, instead of that, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. Instead of doing those other things, why aren't we growing in Jesus? Why aren't we people putting effort into knowing more about him and growing in him and growing in our understanding? I believe, listen, I believe we're gonna always be growing. I believe in heaven we're gonna be growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're not gonna ever know him completely. And we got this joy to look forward to. And man, I read this and I wanna grow. I wanna grow in Jesus. Like, I think a lot of us when we first get saved and maybe we're saved for like a year or two years and you know we've read through our Bible, man, we're all loaded and ready to go and we think we're all that. And then after you walk with Jesus for like 15 years, you realize, man, I'm not even in kindergarten. I'm like in preschool. But I wanna grow. I wanna mature. I wanna be that person. I wanna be open to him changing me. I don't wanna be the same guy I was six months ago. I want to be constantly growing in him. And this is what Peter is saying. And so listen, man, as he says this, he says, listen, we need to grow in the grace. Oh. Something I've noticed, and I think this is after, you know, like once you hit like my age, 38, you kind of learn, you kind of learn that, man, grace gets so sweet. And I know that today, I have a lot more grace in my life than I did when I was 37 last year, right? And you grow in that grace and, and you begin to understand it and, and listen, and, and especially, especially once you hit like where I'm at for reals, and you really understand grace. And it's not, listen, it's because, maybe it's because as you get more years, you understand that you're, I'm, I'm like, I'm really a lot closer to the other side than I was to the being born, right? I know that days are numbered, years are numbered. And I guess that gives you a little bit more grace dealing with people. And a little bit, you have a little bit more vision of grace. And listen, grace is important, but it's also got to come with knowledge. Because grace without knowledge is just mushy, yucky. But grace with knowledge, oh, now you can really minister to people and share with people. And that doesn't mean you understand everything. It means, you, man, you've got some knowledge. You've spent time knowing Jesus. You've spent time with him. You've hung out with him. And now you can share that and you can be involved. And you're still growing in it. You're still understanding it. As I said, man, I think we're going to be understanding him till we, listen, till eternity ends, which is never, right? And we're going to be growing and growing and growing. But right now we have an opportunity. How close can I get to Jesus? And we need to be putting effort and energy and steadfastness and diligence into that. Some people say, how can I promote growth? I wrote down some things because I think this is important. Number one, the greatest way to promote growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, you guys, most of you know what I'm gonna say. The number one is the word of God. 
right? You go to the word of God. You find yourself in the word of God. Number two, prayer. As we spend time with him and pray and just hanging out with him. Isn't it sweet to hang out with Jesus? And so we do that. And then I think the next thing, we're hanging out in a church or a study where the Bible is taught. Not sharing our ignorance where the Bible is taught. Meditating on God's word. And then I think this is what's beneficial for me. Read some biographies about the saints, the guys who have already died, the guys who have won the race, finished and done everything. Read some good biographies. It's so encouraging because here's what you find out. They didn't always live on a mountaintop. That struggles and they talk to you in their, in their writings about working through them. So I love reading biographies. I think that's some of the funnest stuff to read. And speaking of that, I think a lot of this stuff out today is getting worse and worse. And maybe that's just being over 37 and kind of working through these things. But man, I'm thinking, what happened? What happened where there were good biographies written about godly people? So you kind of get into that. You read that. And then this is like, to me, a no-brainer. But how about this? How about I avoid the things that are harmful to my spiritual life? Huh. Put up some boundaries in your life. Do some things that are going to keep you from doing this stupid thing. Like, find out, hey, I know what my weaknesses are, and I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. You know what your weaknesses are. I know what my weaknesses are. I'm going to put up boundaries in my life to stay away from those weaknesses. Something I found out, again, with years, is it's not cool to live as close to the sin as possible or as close to the, you know, to the world. I want to step back and I want to get away from it a little bit. You know, the, the saying when you're young is live on the edge so you don't take up too much space. When you get old, you're afraid of the edge because you might fall off. So you back up a little bit and you say, man, I don't want to do that. I want to stay, I want to keep myself away from that stuff. So grow in the grace and the knowledge. Man, if, if there's a verse to memorize, memorize this, right? You want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he says this, this is powerful, to him be the glory both now and forever, amen. Now a lot of you are thinking, well, that's not that big a deal. I think it's a big deal. What did Peter just do? In this little quote doxology, what did he just do? He just declared that Jesus Christ is God. Peter's a Jew, right? Was a Jew, got saved, right? Peter's from that background, and here's the one thing that Peter knows. In Isaiah, the Lord says this, I am the Lord, that is my name. Listen carefully. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Isn't that what God says? And what does Peter say here? To him, who's him? Who's he just been talking about? Jesus, right? To him be the glory both now and forever. Hmm. What a little sneaky thing Peter puts in there to let us know that Jesus is God and that we need to give him the glory. We need to be people that we give God our glory and by God, I'm talking Jesus, the Father, the Spirit. So, good book, huh? 
I always do this at the end of every book I teach. I kind of want to go back and teach it again because I feel like I almost understand it now. And I almost could go through and do something with it. But powerful stuff when we think about it and we think about Peter and his generation. And here's what blows my mind. His generation, not really different than our generation. Oh, they wore different things. They used different terminology. You know, they didn't have, they didn't have the technology that we have. They didn't have certain things. But here's what they all had. A sin nature, just like us. And they have to deal with that in life. You read these letters, you begin to understand there's a group of people doing life just like we're doing life. And we can choose to do it well or to fumble through it. I want to walk with Jesus. And I want to glorify him in my life. That's what I want to have happen. I would love to tell you it happens in my life 24-7. It's just all glory. That would be a lie but I do want to walk with him. And that's our prayer. So, to him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you, Lord. I thank you for the challenge in your word. And thank you, God, just for bringing it to our hearts. And Lord, that you are so clear in this letter to to Peter, or I mean this letter from Peter to us, that God, we can know you, we can fellowship with you, we can walk with you. And God, there is a difference between being in Christ and being in the world. And I thank you for that. I thank you that there's a, there's a, a, a huge chasm, and Lord, I'm not thanking you for that, but I'm thanking you for the clarity. And God, I pray, I pray tonight for each one of us that we would walk with you and anyone here tonight who does not know you, that tonight would be the day, night of salvation. Right now, they would take advantage just as you, as you said, there's a new heaven and a new earth coming and Jesus is gonna come back and find us. And I pray that he finds every single person in here walking with you and in that peace and without spot and without blame, that we'd be those people. And I pray for anyone in here right now who doesn't have that assurance that you would work in their life and work in their heart. Draw them to you. Open up their heart to know you right in this time. And I'm gonna ask everybody to stay in an attitude of prayer just for a couple more moments. And if you're here tonight and you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then right now is the time to change that. Right now is the time to make that different. All you have to do is simply trust him. Trust what he says. The Bible says that we're all sinners. I think we know that instinctively. What most of us don't realize or really understand is that our sin separates us from God. The Bible says that sin and the wages of sin is death. And most of us think of just dying, ceasing to exist. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that death that we're separated from God. And in that, 
What we have earned and deserve is his wrath forever. That's bad news. That's ugly to hear. And I understand that, but it's truth. The good news is Jesus Christ came and took that wrath upon himself. And as he took that wrath upon himself, he paid the price that you owe and that I owe. And all we have to do is trust him and say, Jesus, I believe that you paid the price for me. I believe you took my sin. So if you want to do that, say this prayer with me. This is basically what you're going to be telling him is that you're trusting him. But to do that, you got to admit you're a sinner. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can say it with me out loud or you can say it silently. Volume isn't important, but what is important is sincerity of heart. If you're watching online, you can say this prayer. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're backslidden and it's time for you to come home, man. Come back to Jesus. You can say this prayer with us. Jesus' arms are open wide. He's not pushing you away. He's drawing you in. So say this prayer. Jesus, tonight I confess that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And tonight I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. 